Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete, here's Sal Licata. Pete off to play pool and enjoy Game 3 of the NBA Finals, Warriors and Cavs. That comes your way a little bit later on. I mean, the break in between the, the games here in the series is just dreadful. Not to mention the actual series, which I can't even get into. I mean, I, I watch it. Obviously, I'm a sports fan. I do care about the result, um, especially when you're you know allowed now, if you live in Delaware, to make some, uh, and obviously Vegas, to make some wagers on the result. Um, and you want to watch greatness, like to Pete's point about how great the Warriors are as a team, greatness of LeBron James. Still, the style of basketball, I can't, I can't watch the 3BA. I mean, everybody's just shooting three balls left and right. It's sickening to me. So whether it's the Celtics, the Rockets, the Warriors, I, I just don't like it. I think the game is not, I'd rather watch an 86, 84, drag them out, knock them down basketball game any day of the week. Spoken like a true 90s Nick fan. Uh, and I'd rather watch almost anything right now than uh, the New York Mets offense uh, take the field as they have been struggling. We have Mets tickets to give away, by the way, this hour. 800-321-0710 is the number to call. Uh, get the Yankees on deck after the off day tomorrow. The Mets regroup, lick their wounds, although I don't even know if the wounds that they have are capable of being licked. I mean, you can't lose two in a row to the Baltimore Orioles at home. We mentioned the numbers before. The Mets have been awful at home this year. Outside of the first three series this year, the Mets just cannot win a series. They're one six and one with four sweeps in series at home since that first three series of the year where they were you know look they were red hot twelve and two to start the year and it always goes back somehow every time I do a show it always comes back to that Monday that Monday April sixteenth this Drupal Cabrera big home run Mets have a what was it six two lead in the eighth against the Nationals ready to put the foot on the throat potentially even that early in the season and they lost the manager afterward talked about avoiding the spiral and they have not been the same ball club since they've been able to get out of it and the manager has gotten worse and worse and worse and the team has gotten worse and worse and worse and the last hope before i wave the white flag and put the nail on the coffin in the 2018 mets is the subway series it comes down to this the impossible odds how could they ever beat the New York Yankees in a series? The way the Yanks are going, the way the Mets are going. You have to score more than a run to beat anybody. You have to score more than probably five runs to beat the Yankees. I know DeGrom's pitching. You got Mats and you got Syndergaard. They're three best going. You hope to get Cespedes back. It's going to be a tough task to ask for the Mets. And anything outside of a sweep of the Yankees, really, to me. Now, look, they went two out of three. You might have a good feel about yourselves. They have an off day Monday, and then you go out uh, on the 10-game road trip, which is not going to be an easy task. But either way, anything outside of sweep in this Yankee series, I don't. I just don't. I don't see it anymore. Hate to say that it's over. I said it on Monday. I'm going to give them the five games, give them the week until Monday, see what happens. Losing two at home to the Orioles is just, it's just obviously it's looking like it's not their year. George is in Fresh Meadows. What's up, George? Hey, Sal. uh, Just three quick, uh, there's many reasons why I don't like our GM, but here's three that I haven't heard on the radio yet. Just sharing uh, one. He signed Swarzak over the, in the winter. There's so many uh, much better uh, relievers out there that we could have signed. Just look at the Rockies. They must have signed like three or four of them, just that one team alone. Number two, how about locking up the Grom? Instead, our GM locked up Lagaris for a number of years. Well, that was years ago, though. That was many years ago. And I liked both those deals at the time. 
Well, that's that. I mean, but but see how they turned out, and that's our GM signing them, and they they're not they didn't turn out to be too good. And how about signing the Gram? He well, they've been... talked about it, Ralph. They've talked about locking up Jacob Degrom long term. There's just no need to do it right now. Mets have bigger issues than worrying about taking care of Jacob Degrom at the moment. You hope that they do that. Jacob Degrom certainly deserves a lot more than what he's being paid. He has deserved a lot more than what he's being paid. Usually, and with the Mets in particular, usually you have a lot of guys who aren't performing up to their contract, and you could focus on just this year if you want. I I could give you a list of guys who aren't doing what they're being paid to do, aren't living up to their contract. Jacob deGrom is the rare guy who has far exceeded whatever his contract is, whatever he's been getting paid over the last several years. So they'll take care of him at some point here. they got to decide what to do with that, but that's in the offseason. Right now, locking up Jacob deGrom should not be a priority. The third thing I, I want to say about uh, the GM is I don't give him any credit for trading for Cespedes or Thor. My, uh, from what I understand, they only traded for Cespedes because the, the ownership wanted him, and they said get him because they, they, the other trades fell through. And with the, the Darno trade, Sandy even said it on TV himself that Thor was just a throw-in. They could have picked, you know, he was one of three pitchers they were thinking, and they just ended up with him. Yeah, so right, you don't want to give him credit for it, but, I mean, you, you kind of have to give him credit for it. Uh, it's, he did make the trades. Now, he has been very fortunate. In both those circumstances, one, well, anybody could have traded R.A. Dickey. I mean, that was the Blue Jays were suckers then. Why would you ever trade for R.A. Dickey? Coming off a great year, that was a typical sell high, and you know Dickey's not going to be as good as he was with the Mets that year. But they took advantage of, what was it, uh, Alex Anthropolis? Is that his name? The uh, former uh, Blue Jays GM. And they got Darno, who was supposed to fix the catching problems, and Syndergaard as a throw-in. Obviously, you'd make that trade over a hundred times again, even with just Syndergaard doing his part. Darno has been useless, and I think the GM should be knocked not on the trade, but for sticking with Darno and the current catching situation as long as they have stuck with it. The other one, the Cespedes trade, it was a last-minute deal. They had to do something. He was probably reluctant to give up a guy like Michael Fulmer, who has shown he could be a good pitcher at the major league level. I know he's struggling now, coming off that owner surgery, you know, the owner ligament surgery, whatever, that both uh, I think Matt and DeGrom had recently. Uh, so Fulmer ha- has had that, so he's struggling this year. But still, you make that trade every time, getting Yoenna Cespedes in here, especially with the results of 2015, getting into the World Series. Cespedes is a guy that changed the franchise. They needed a bat like that to uh, to bring. They needed to bring a bat like that in, and they did that. And they needed to resign him, and they did that as well. But they were only able to do that because the trade fell through for Carlos Gomez. Remember the whole Wilmer Flores and the. The crying and Flores. It was supposed to be Flores and Wheeler for Carlos Gomez. That would have been a disaster. Not only that trade on the surface a disaster because Carlos Gomez isn't a very good player. Certainly not the player of Cespedes caliber. Not a very good player. But you, you, they would have made that trade, lost both Wheeler and Flores, and not gotten Yoenis Cespedes. The other things I think you can critique... Alderson on when the time came to make a decision on Jose Reyes the first time. They should not have let him walk. They should have traded him at the trade deadline. They thought that they could keep him. They wanted to resign him. The end of the year, it turns out they couldn't. The Marlins offered him more money. They ended up losing in a time where they were rebuilding. They lost Jose Reyes and got nothing for him. That was strike one. 
and that's you know the first strike of many to come, really, in many different at-bats. They've made some good moves. They've had some positive seasons, but they've also been fortunate to where it couldn't be worse. And also it's bad a lot of the times the signings that they have made since. And the lack of, you know, whether I said sticking with the catchers or, you know, not trading one of the pitchers. Whether it's Harvey, who I never would have traded. Whether it's Wheeler, who I would have traded for many years over. You know, to bring in some offensive players. They could have dealt from a position of strength with those pitchers and tried to bring in some offensive players. They didn't do it. They haven't drafted well. Ploiecki, Cicchini, Dom Smith. Nimmo finally having an impact seven years later, and it's not like he's first-round pick impact. Aaron Judge was a first-round pick for the Yankees. Brandon Nimmo was a first-round pick for the Mets. Now, I understand that Judge is as good as you can get right now, or pretty much as good as you can get in Major League Baseball, but still, first-round pick we're talking here. And even Conforto, who was... The one thing that they had to be positive about via the draft in recent years, he hasn't been as good as he should be. It is a litany of problems for this organization right now. A litany of problems. The manager hasn't be hasn't been as good as he should be. They took a risk, hired a guy with no New York experience, hired a guy with no managerial experience, stats guy, analytics guy, very smart individual, nice guy. We like Mickey, had him on a couple times, hope to have him on again. Think he'll get better, but right now with a win-now team in a win-now city, bad match. It's a bad fit right now. And he's looked over match, and he's second-guessing himself, and I think there are doubts from within the organization. That's been reported um, about Callaway. They certainly know he's wet behind the ears and has shown to be the case. Maybe Mickey's letting that get to him. He's clearly not managing comfortably right now and trusting himself. And it's hard then to get the guys who you manage to buy in and trust themselves and go out there and play loose and free when you get a manager who doesn't really know what he's doing. Saying one thing, doing another. Double talking as well. So it is a bunch of problems right now that the Mets have going on. Ralph is in Howard Beach. What's up, Ralph? Hey, Sal. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good, good. So I love your show. I think you're hitting a lot of things on the head. And, and it's definitely frustrating to be a Mets fan right now. The series against the Brewers, to me, was, you know, they could have won three out of four easily in that game. The sweep now between the Braves and the Orioles is just bad. And Can't this happen. isn't season bad. Yeah, this isn't season bad. This is franchise bad. I feel like the franchise is taking a huge hit right now. And it's, it's starting to feel, uh, you know, this is reminding me of the, you know, the meltdown right before we made the playoffs that time with, um, oh, it's drawing my brain. Uh, it, Collins? You're talking about Terry bad. Collins? I'm I'm confused. Was, you, you lost me there. What are you talking about, Ralph? Uh, Willie Randolph when he had the meltdown oh, with the team. Oh, he lost okay. the team. Yeah. So I'm taking it back. What the what the what the collapse? You mean? Yes. Yes. I feel like the team is collapsing. I feel like this team right now is taking huge steps backwards when we're supposed to take huge steps forwards. It, it, you know, this is not just a bad season right now. It feels like it's a bad time in the franchise. It, it's a complete mess. And thanks for the call, Ralph. For many reasons, as we said. I mean. I gave them the benefit of the doubt. Playoffs two years in a row in 15 and 16. 17, I thought they were built better than both 15 and 16, and obviously that fell apart. And it wasn't just because of injuries. But I did ultimately, at the end of the day, think that that was an aberration. This year, coming into the year, Cespedes said it himself, I agree that this was the best the team has been built going into the year 
in recent years. And they have played, outside of the first 14 games, worse. Because not everything has gone wrong for this team. They've been relatively healthy with the starters, right? I mean, Mats has been relatively healthy. DeGrom, I know there's been some scares, and they've missed some starts, but they've been healthy. The bullpen has been, I mean, Ramos, I know he's banged up, and Swarzak was uh, banged up, but Gazelman, Lugo, Familia, Blevins, they've been healthy. Bruce has been healthy. Conforto has been healthy. Not having Cespedes and Frazier the last month has clearly hurt them, but even when those guys were healthy to start the year in the first four, or, or yeah, they are the first 14 games of the year, they weren't hitting. The offense is a problem. It's been a constant problem for this team, and the construction of this team is something I've always had to fight myself with because they had success, mild success. Well, maybe not maybe not mild. 2016 mild success with the wildcard berth. 15 getting the World Series. I can't take anything away from that team, although we know how that happened. Cespedes trade, Murphy in the postseason, and obviously the starters all together at once outside of Wheeler. But they were having success, and I didn't believe they were built to have success. I didn't believe in the construction of the team, the way that it's structured. Bad defense, no catcher, bad up the middle, whether it's shortstop, catching position, or center field. All or nothing hitters, guys who strike out too much, don't hit for a high average. And then I started to get away from it, maybe evolving, thinking, you know what, maybe it can happen. They did make the postseason Let's see, they brought in some decent veterans, better than nothing signings, quantity over quality signings. Okay, so I wanted Hosmer, so what? So I wanted Kane or Moustakis or Wade Davis, so what? They signed a bunch of guys, maybe they could get that type of production from the quantity that they brought in. And I went against my gut and my better judgment, and now I'm hating myself for that. In reality, i got to stick to what I believe in, and that is not the analytics. The over-analytics and stats and numbers and OBP and lack of respect for a proven manager, lack of respect for a batting average. These things matter. Lack of respect for defense. Lack of respect for a catcher who actually knows how to catch in all facets of the game. I think the construction of the team has to be different moving forward has to be better moving forward. Because you can't just keep running the same idea out there and the same players out there year after year. You thought last year might be the aberration. Turned out so far, through June 6th, that might not be the case. 800 We'll do more of your calls on the other side. Mets, tic- Mets tickets to give away as well. We'll hear from Mickey Calloway, uh, who may join us uh, during this hour uh, as well. lot to do here. Before we say goodbye at 9 o'clock, it's Salicata in the Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. This is the WOR Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete McCarthy, here's Sal Licata. 800-321-0710 is the number to call. Let's get right to it. Mac is in Jersey. What's up, Mac? Okay, so I hear you with the uh, 10, 15 reasons why the Mets are having problems. But really, it's all boiled down to one thing, and that's the offense. The pitching the past three weeks, the starters' ERA is like two-something. In the past week, the 
10 days, it's won something. But, Mac, let me just stop you there, and I'll give you plenty of time. I want to stop you there because I think these numbers that are getting thrown out there are a little bit misleading. In a lot of those games, the starters have gone four or five innings. And in turn, what that does is tax the bullpen. And the bullpen, when being overtaxed, is not as good as they were when rested. So the idea that the numbers from the starters have been good is a little bit misleading because they, it's not like they're going seven scoreless every time. Now, Wheeler was good today, but you had Mats go four scoreless before being taken out with a finger injury. That ended up costing him the game. Vargas going five scoreless last time out. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously you'd like to see him go a little bit longer than that. And there was someone else in there too who went, I don't know if it was Vargas again or maybe it was Wheeler. Point is, it's not like the starters are going deep into these ball games. You're right that there have been at least three times where it was five innings. Oh, Lugo. It was Lugo. I'm sorry. Lugo, who started the game against the Cubs and went four scoreless and was taken out, and they lost the game because of that. So I could give you two specific examples in the Lugo game and in the – man, why am I forgetting this now? I just just mentioned it. Anyway, that they were taken out after five scoreless and four – Matt's getting hurt in Atlanta – uh, that was one, and then Lugo against Chicago, that was another, where that should not have happened. Well, here's, what, here's my main point. Last year, the Mets set a team record 224 homers, and around the trade deadline and in the August, they dismantled all of that to get all these power, supposedly, relief arms, and going. I thought they were going to have a rebuilding season, and they were, you know, that was going to be the plan, but no, they they call themselves being containers again, based around the Fab Five being healthy, plus having these extra guys to back them up, Blue Gold, Selman, Vargas. If anybody got hurt, the idea that you'd pick up eighty homers, replace them with Frazier coming off a two thirteen season, Gonzo coming off all kind of back problems, a guy. Bruce, now they knew he had plantar fasciitis. I didn't know it until spring training, but Alderson knew he had chronic plantar fasciitis. That's why he signed so quick and so cheap. So there was no serious effort to replace 60, 80 homers that were going to be missing. You put Reyes, he's not giving you the 15, and you know he's, he's the 25th man. Flores is on the bench when he's healthy, so forget his 18 homers. All those homers, who's going to replace them? And, and, and not, to, not to mention Michael Conforto, who hasn't done anything close to what you would expect from Michael Conforto. Look, they brought in quantity instead of quality. That's, it's as simple as that. I mean, you don't need to look any further. And they need Cespedes to get healthy and produce. They were hoping Frazier would have a little bit of a bounce back year uh, with the average. I mean, Frazier was on with Pete and I before the season. He said 245, 35, and 100. Well, he's not going to come anywhere close to that. Jay Bruce, you were hoping he could do something close to what he did last year, hitting, what, 35 homers? And I think he drove in 101, end up total with the Mets and Cleveland. He had a great year. And Bruce has had three home runs so far. None of them at City Field. We're in June. We're in June. Greg Bird has played a week. He's got two home runs. Jay Bruce has played for two and a half months. He's got three home runs. That's a big problem. Conforto not hitting. I mean, Gonzalez has actually done what would be expected of him. Now, his platoon partner, Wilmer Flores, has not. And it's not because he's been injured either.
When he was healthy, he wasn't hitting lefties, and that's his job. They've actually gotten more production at catcher than I thought they'd get because Mezzarocco has been added to the team. And even though he can't stay healthy here, he's been out, what, five games now or five days at least with the hamstring injury, he's better than anything they've had in 10 years at the catcher position. Rosario has been disappointing. Some nights he looks good, other nights he looks like a rookie who's learning, both defensively and offensively. Cabrera has been an extreme plus. Even me, who has been the biggest Isrubal Cabrera fan since he signed here, I didn't expect this type of production from him. He's been great. Conforto, disappointing. Cespedes, disappointing. Unhealthy. Bruce, extremely disappointing. Lagaris, unhealthy, although he had a good year. And Nimmo has been solid. Reyes has been useless. Familia, not so good. Ramos, terrible. Blevins, terrible. Swarzak, hurt. Lugo, Gazelman, great. Harvey, useless. No more, no longer here. Vargas, essentially useless, although he's had a couple of decent starts now. Wheeler, decent. Mats, after initial struggling to start the year, decent. Syndergaard, not as good as you thought, but good enough. And let's see what happens when he comes back now, Sunday night. And DeGrom has been great. I mean, I just summed it up. And, and no, I didn't. I'm sorry. One more. The manager. Not good. Downgrade from last year. Joe was in Hazlitt. What's up, Joe? Hey, Positive Sal. How are you? Good. What's up, Joe? Oh, this isn't Positive Sal. They, they, they're slowly, the New York Mets are slowly killing Positive Sal. What's up, Joe? I, I understand. So I haven't seen you on Daily News Live lately. I was just on today, Joe. Were you not watching? Oh. 5 to 5.30, uh, set your DVRs. I think it'll rerun 1 a.m. to 1.30, as a matter of fact. Okay, I'll have to do that. Um, listen, after the last year's fire sale... And by the way, Joe, there are other shows on SNY that I've been on, not just Daily News Live, Loudmouths oh, yeah. and BNNY, so you got to check those out as well. Oh, yeah, I, I see you on the, at the late-night shows, too. Yeah. Uh, after last year's sale of all the uh, players, and they firstly got nothing in return, but their payroll was reduced greatly because of all the uh, contracts that they got rid of. Like you said, they didn't do anything with quality. All they did was, as typically as Jeff Wilpon and Sandy Alderson's uh, preaching is, they go for the cheap. And if you go for the cheap, they're going to get cheap results. And that's what they're getting now. I do think, Joe, and thank you for the call, Joe. I appreciate it. I do think sometimes you get what you pay for. And while the Mets made decent signings in the offseason, they were not the signings that I would have made myself. I would have rather taken that money and went in for a big fish or two and done it that way. Hosmer, Moustakis, Kane, Davis, Lucroy, those are some of the names that were floated out there. And if you don't want to spend that much on those players because you don't think those guys are that much better than what you got, fair argument. But then when there's Manny Machado and Bryce Harper on the free agent market next year, you better be all in to go get one of them. This is New York City. It is the New York Mets who are in dire need of that type of player. A young superstar. This is not a guy who's 32 years old. We're talking about two young guys in their primes, Machado and Bryce Harper. One or the other, the Mets should be going all, regardless of what happens the rest of the way, regardless of who's making the decisions. 
They should be going all in on one of those two guys. And you could sit there and hear me and say, oh, that's never going to happen. What are you, nuts? It shouldn't be the case. It should happen. Not only should it happen, it has to happen. I don't want to hear about this rebuilding nonsense because the Mets were rebuilding in 11, 12, 13, and 14. Four years of rebuilding. So the payoff would be 15, 16, 17, and 2018 and beyond. It wasn't last year. They didn't win a World Series in 15 or 16. As nice as they were, no World Series to show for it, which I think would change the narrative. And they're not doing it this year. So they rebuilt for four years with this current regime. It's supposed to be paying off now. There is no more rebuilding here. It is adding to the quality players that you have. may only be a few, but you have enough to where you should be adding moving forward. And if you're not doing it via the draft, you got to do it via free agency. 800-321-0710. So I have Mets tickets to give away. Take it on 9 o'clock here in the Sports Zone. Sal Akata in for Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. You're in the WOR Sports Zone. In for Pete, here's Sal Licata. We'll give away some Mets tickets before the end of this segment. Not just this show, this segment. 800-321-0710 is the number to call to talk to me. Uh, let's go to James in New York. James, you want to talk about the NBA, huh? The 3BA. What's on your mind, James? Hey, Sal. How's it going? Yeah, Love the bit. show. Thank you. Appreciate it. I just wanted to get your opinion, and I don't want a different eras thing. Who is the best basketball player of all time, in your opinion? Well, let's just, can we say that the best basketball player that I've ever seen in my lifetime? No, of all time. But how can I give you a fair answer, James, if you're you know, talking about you know Jerry West and Bill Russell and guys like that that I didn't really watch play in their prime? I mean, I've seen tape and video and read about them, but uh, hard for me to compare those. I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way. I'm not going to cop out. I'm going to answer LeBron James is the best basketball player I have ever seen. Shaquille O'Neal, the most dominant player, unstoppable player I've ever seen. But LeBron James is the best, most physically gifted basketball player I've ever seen in my life. And I think probably the sport has ever seen. So you you don't buy into the whole Jordan is is better than LeBron? I did for years, James, but I don't see how you can make that argument when... Look, Michael Jordan's a great player. I think he's a—I mean, all-time great player. Obviously, I think he's the greatest competitor the sport has ever seen. I—I I just don't think that. And Michael Jordan's will may be greater than LeBron. His competitiveness greater than LeBron. I don't see how you can argue for Jordan in comparison to LeBron, factoring in all that LeBron has done specifically this year. Uh, taking this Cavaliers team to the finals, I don't think Michael Jordan was as physically and as uh, physically talented or as gifted as LeBron James is. So Jordan had to go 110 percent to get what he got. LeBron could go 100 percent, and he's that much better. I just, I just, I think LeBron more physically gifted than Michael Jordan, but Jordan probably played harder, more competitive. If I had to pick one who I think is a better basketball player, I think LeBron James. All right, I like to hear that. Do you think he gets the win tonight against the Warriors? I don't, James. And by the way, who? Just curious, who do you think is uh, you like LeBron too? I like LeBron. I mean, I also didn't get it. I didn't get a chance to watch Jordan in his prime, but you know, I think in his fifteenth year, in terms of longevity and what he's doing now, 
it's hard to argue against. Here's the thing, James. Go back, and you could do this, and I'm going to do it again soon, too. Now, I watched, unfortunately, I watched Jordan torch my Knicks plenty of times in his prime, so I've seen more than enough of Michael Jordan to be able to compare the two. And until last year, really, I was with Jordan, saying nobody could be as good as him. And again, I don't think LeBron is as competitive as him or has the desire that Michael Jordan did. I don't think Jordan is as physically gifted and can do the things that LeBron can do on the basketball court. But go back and watch. There's plenty of Michael Jordan DVDs available that you could go back, James, and thank you for the call. Go back and get the, whether it's Jordan Rules, I forget what uh, the exact, there's there's like a, a box set of DVDs of Michael Jordan. Go back and watch those. If you are a young fan listening, and you're in the camp of LeBron James, I get it. But you have to at least watch Michael Jordan. You can't just say, well, I've seen LeBron for the last 15 years. How can anybody be better? Watch Michael Jordan and see what he did. And even watching the DVDs won't give you the full feel, but it will show you more than enough to be like, holy cow. Like, I get the comparison now. For me, it was always Jordan was the best. Kobe was the closest thing to Michael. And... You know, Shaq is in his own world. Now, I loved Patrick Ewing, obviously, but Shaquille O'Neal dominated the game at the center position like I'd never seen. I didn't watch Bill Russell in his prime. I wasn't watching Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Wilt go out there and do what they did night in, night out, obviously, or the endless others. But Shaq was unstoppable. I mean, the guy was a dominant force. And physically, you just, I mean, you couldn't stop him. But was he the greatest basketball player? No. I think LeBron is... Obviously not a combo physically of Shaq and, you know, uh, whatever. I mean, physically maybe you compare him to Magic Johnson, the way that he can play the game uh, both inside and out, facilitate an offense, be a scorer as well. But LeBron is the greatest physically gifted athlete I have ever seen. And when he first started out, he didn't have that killer instinct that Jordan had. He didn't have that competitive fire or desire or will. But I think he's gotten that in recent years. And I think now he dominates. He makes it look so easy. I mean, it is a man amongst boys a lot of times with LeBron James. Things that Jordan would have to work extremely hard for, LeBron James can do almost with ease. I really don't think it's a comparison. Now, it's hard to compare errors as well. Right, it's a different era of a different style of basketball, so that's different too. And it's not knocking one to build up the other, and I think that's what gets lost in a lot of this at times. It's to me on the basketball court, I've never seen anyone capable of doing the things that LeBron James can do the way that he does it. He is the best player that I have ever seen. And I think that he's the best player the sport has ever seen. But do yourself a favor, go back and watch uh, all those Jordan DVDs. They are fun to watch. I'm going to do the same thing myself. I have them at home. It's been a while since I've watched them. You know, you get caught up in watching LeBron and the current stuff, and you don't really have time to go back and, and check those things out. But it's an excellent thing to do for reference point, especially for a guy like me. If you want to be a talk show host, things like that, great to have that. You could read uh, about players and things like that, but when you watch the DVDs, you go back and watch certain games. I remember doing it two years ago with um, the 75 World Series, right? The World Series I've heard about all my life. Colton Fisk waving the ball, Johnny Bench and the Big Red Machine, and you hear about it and you hear about how these guys are so great, and then you go back and watch it, and you're like, holy cow. Now, it's, it's one thing to hear about how great Johnny Bench was. It's another thing to actually watch him and watch him do it in the World Series and see how loaded those Reds teams were and why. Same thing now, everybody looks at stats, right? Well, 
And instead of looking at the exit velo or instead of looking at the numbers, watch the guys play and then you see it. You don't need the numbers to tell you how impressive Aaron Judge is. You actually see it with your own eyes. And nowadays, all these things are out there on. I used to collect the World Series box sets, you know, from 86, certainly, or 80. I think I have 87, 88. The 88 was the Kirk Gibson uh, home run against the. A's, of course, Dodgers and A's. They have, I have the 94 Knicks. Uh, you know, unfortunately, that's more of the Rockets DVD, but I bought it for the Knicks purposes to where you could see the 94 NBA finals, the 94 Stanley Cup finals, anything you want. The Jordan DVDs, almost all these games. And even if you don't need DVDs, maybe they're all on YouTube anyway. So you could actually go back and watch some of these games and see. That gives you a better reference point to compare the two. Hard to compare the different eras of basketball. But I think LeBron James is the greatest player that the sport has ever seen. Right now, your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Mets take on the Dodgers June 24th out at City Field. Caller number 6 at 800-321-0710. You're the winner. First 15,000 fans in attendance can receive a Mets cap courtesy of Nathan's Famous. Kids 12 and under can stay after the game to run the bases in the Mr. Met Dash, courtesy of Northwell Health. Purchase tickets at Mets.com slash tickets. We come back, we'll hear from Mickey Calloway, who I'm told might join us. Uh, we'll also have, uh, we'll hear from you, who I'm told also might join us. 800-321-0710. It's a sports zone. Sal Akata filling in for Pete McCarthy, the voice of New York, 710 WOR.